Hello there. Uh, my name is David Berge, and uh, I am a church planter, and I blame your pastor, Brad Jackson, for that. And so the story of how I got to know uh, Bradley, as I affectionately call him, um, is kind of a convoluted one. If you've ever had one of those stories in your life where it's important, but you realize that explaining it to people, it's probably less clear to them than it is clear to you. This is kind of one of those stories, but I am going to tell it anyway. And so hopefully at the end, it all makes sense. But for me, it's a beautiful illustration of how God seems to providentially arrange people and events in order to fulfill his purposes. How how God kind of takes the disorderliness of our lives that are all mixed up like a Rubik's Cube and, and just twists and turns them until all of the sudden we see that things are in alignment. And so the year was 2006. It was a simpler time in our country. I was a junior, uh, which is what they call first-year students at Princeton Theological Seminary in lovely Princeton, uh, New Jersey. And so up until that point, until that fall when I moved out there, I had been a lifelong denizen of the city of Minneapolis. I used to joke that in all my 24 years of life, even when I went to the University of Minnesota and I got my first job, I had never had a zip code outside of the city of Minneapolis. And, and I wore that with pride. I was a true Minneapolitan through and through. But so here in, in, in the fall of 2006, I was in New Jersey with my wife, and we were both farther away from home than either of us ever thought that we would be. And not only had I spent my whole life in this one city, but I had only really ever been to one church, Aldrich Avenue Presbyterian Church, also in, you guessed it, Minneapolis. And, and so here we were in this new place looking for a new church. And so this is 2006, so not that long ago. And so how does one go about finding a new church? The Google, absolutely. And so, uh, so I did some extensive Googling, and I found a church named The Well. And The Well was in Feasterville, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Philadelphia, about 45 minutes from Princeton. And The Well sounded like it was really cool. And not just the name of the church, but you looked online, this seemed like a really unique community, a church unlike any I had ever seen before or been a part of, which I guess I'd only been one, so I didn't have like an extensive frame of reference, but, but this seemed like an exciting new church that we could check out and be a part of. And so... On our first Sunday in Princeton, we drove down to the well, and, and it was this church that was meeting in this warehouse space in this small little industrial park. And so this was my first time ever as a church shopper. And, and if you've ever been a church shopper, you know what a nerve-wracking and kind of painful experience this can be. You wonder, what's going to be happening once I pass through this door and go inside, and I'm kind of stuck for the next hour of my life. And so I had that anxiety as I was approaching the door. But we went in there, and, and right away we met the pastor, who was this guy named Todd, who was a super nice guy. And he asked, you know, where are you guys from? And I told him I was a seminarian, but I was originally from Minneapolis. And he just goes, whoa, 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 whoa. The guy who started this church 
just moved there. Yeah, yeah, he got a job at this big Presbyterian church in, in like Edina, uh, Minnesota. And, and I was like, oh, you mean Edina? And he's like, yeah, Edina. He got this job. I think it's called like, like Christ Presbyterian Church. He, he just moved a couple months ago. And when I heard that, my jaw dropped because if you're not from the Presbyterian world, uh, Christ Presbyterian is like this behemoth. It's like the fourth or fifth biggest Presbyterian church in the country. And I had been hoping to do one of my seminary internships there. But, you know, kind of it's not what you know, it's who you know. And so I didn't know anybody. And so I had wanted to do it there. I had been dreaming about it, but I had no in. And so when I heard this, that the pastor in this church that we were visiting for the first time had just moved out there when we had moved here, I thought maybe God is opening up a window of opportunity. So when the summer of 2007 came around, I had the distinct honor and privilege as serving as the intern of one Brad Jackson. And my life has never been the same since. I learned a lot that summer. Uh, I learned how to play golf. Um, learned how to rake a sand trap. Uh, I learned how to run back to the golf cart and, and grab Brad a new club. Um, and I learned, you know, when you should go for the green and maybe when you should lay up. And so Brad was a wonderful, a wonderful teacher. But more than just golf, which we did play a lot of, and it was the best internship ever. But more than that, Brad taught me that, that ministry is about fearlessly pursuing the kingdom of God and never settling for the status quo. But at the same time, in pursuing that call that Jesus has placed on our lives and, and has placed in the midst of, of the churches to which we belong, that we never, ever neglect to love as many people as possible along the way. And so through this experience, Brad became, you know, more than just a mentor, more than just a, a supervisor. Brad became a friend. And so we stayed in touch over the years. And so Brad was the one, when I was really sharing with him my heart for for being a part of a, a, a vibrant and a vital and a faithful church community in Minneapolis. But at that time, I was an associate pastor at a church in Ojai, California. So about as far away as I could get, I went from one coast to the other. And I said, there's no way from point A to point B, no way to get from where I am now to where I feel like God is calling me to be. Brad said, well, why don't you plant a church? I, I, mean, I mean, I did it. You could do it. And he said, and if you do that, if you choose to go that route, talk to the folks at the covenant. But because when it comes to planting churches, the covenant is the absolute best. The covenant is the gold standard. And so in September of 2012, I took Brad's advice. I, I reached out to the covenant. And here I stand today as the planting pastor of City of Lakes Covenant Church in lovely Moundsview, no, of course, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Where else? The, the, the greatest city, or the second greatest city after Mankato, third greatest after Mankato and North Mankato in the greatest town, the greatest state in the union. And so if you take anything away from this today, I want you to take away this, that it's all Brad's fault. And that is, is my message. Actually, it's God's fault working through people like Brad. But that 
is the rest of the story. And so one of the things that that happens when you get kind of affirmed in the call of being a church planter, you're assessed, and the folks of the covenant either say, yeah, we think this God is calling you to this ministry, or maybe, or probably not at this time. So I got a positive assessment. I got the two thumbs up, which was very affirming. But then you have to come up with what's called a well-conceived project plan. And so this means that you have a well-conceived plan. This isn't some harebrained scheme that you've kind of scribbled out on the back of a napkin and said, this is going to work. Just, just give me the money. Trust me. It actually has to be a good plan. You know, some of us have to learn that stuff the hard way. And so when you plant, you come up with this plan and it includes your, you know, your mission statement and, and your values and, and your vision. And then something else called a Zara verse. And so the Zerah verse, Zerah is the Hebrew word for seed. And so the Zerah verse is basically like the life verse for your church. This is the one verse of scripture that is going to kind of distill and perfectly capture the type of church that you're going to be in, that God is calling you to plant. And so I really like easily came up with the vision and the mission and the values. And I had this kind of, you know, pithy statement that, that City of Lakes Covenant Church, you know, is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples for the glory of God and the good of the city. I had this nice tagline that I was really digging, but I could not come up with a Zara verse to save my life. And so I kind of made the brilliant move of racking my mental concordance and maybe going on Bible Gateway and typing in the word city. Because so I was like, yeah, we'll be a church in the city. Let's just find a scripture verse that deals with the city and we'll be done with it. And so I came up with Jeremiah 29, 7, which I laid out as seek the peace of the city and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its peace, you will find your peace. City, peace, prayer, nice and tidy. I'll, I'll just go with that one. But do you notice something funny about that verse? See, I, I threw those three dots in there. The ellipsis. Why? What did I have to hide in my Zara verse? So to find out, let's turn to our passage. It's Jeremiah 29, verses 1 through 9. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So listen now to God's word. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan and Gemirah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. It said, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its peace, 
you will find your peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. And so what's happening here is the prophet Jeremiah is sending a letter to the community of Jewish exiles who have been taken from Jerusalem and sent to Babylon, which is basically the location of modern-day Iraq. That was the center of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. And so there's this massive date in the history of the world and in biblical history, 587 B.C. Really, 587 B.C. is the year... For the people of God in the Old Testament where everything changes because the unthinkable happens. Their world falls apart when when the Babylonians capture Jerusalem, the sacred city, the city that they thought could never fall because God was on their side. And so after this happens, the people are reeling, wondering, God, where are you? What are you going to do about this? And a certain prophet named Hananiah rose up and who said that this exile It's just a temporary setback. And he said, after two years, God is going to to bring everyone home. And so just, just hold tight. It's almost over. This bad dream, we're all about to wake up from it. And Jeremiah sends this letter, and he says, no, 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 no. That's not what's going to happen. He tells the exiles that they had better get used to Babylon because it was going to be their home for at least the next 70 years, longer than most of them would be alive. And so they needed to do the kind of things that you do when you make somewhere your home. They needed to start families. They needed to plant gardens. They needed to build houses. Jeremiah tells the exiles that they should put down roots in Babylon. Because now their well-being, their future, their prosperity, their fate and destiny even was tied to that of Babylon. And unless Babylon prospers, the exiles won't prosper either. And so this brings me back to my verse and the infamous ellipses. I rendered verse 7 as seek the peace of the city and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its, your, for in its peace you will find your peace, but I left out a little phrase, which, which you'll see here. I left out those words where I have sent you into exile. Why did I leave that out? Why did I take the proverbial scissors to Scripture? And it was because, well, I believed that God had sent me to Minneapolis to plant a church. I didn't want to think of myself as an exile there. Right? Me coming back to to Minnesota was like the exiles returning from Babylon to Jerusalem. That that wasn't some strange city that I was coming to. It was my hometown. But the truth of the matter, the lesson that I have been learning is actually it's not. And, And understanding that, well, I love this city where I was born and raised and have come back to, that it's not my home, this has been absolutely crucial for my understanding of why God has called me to plant a church in the first place. And the truth is that each and every Christian is an exile. Peter, in his first letter, addresses the Christians as sojourners and exiles, as resident 
aliens even. And so what God has shown me in the eight short months that City of Lakes Covenant Church has been in existence is that we exist to be a home for the spiritually homeless, that that we exist to be a home for God's people in exile. And the most powerful testimonies that I have heard time and time again are those words to the effect of, I have been disconnected, not plugged in, wandering far away from from church, from faith, from Jesus for so long. But, But finally, at last, here is a place that feels like home. And so even though I wanted to cut that part of the verse out, I wanted to leave it to the side. God has called City of Lakes into being in order that we might exist as a community of exiles. There's Keith, who after the third service we had had, we had these three preview services, and so I'm talking to him, and and he says, you know, a couple minutes into the conversation, he's like, I have a bit of an embarrassing confession to make here, but this conversation that we're having right now is the longest I have had with anyone in a church context in years, and this was just one of those four or five minute after church conversations that so many of us routinely engage in. But for him, it was a powerful experience of connection, of belonging, of being home. And Keith, we had this vision gathering last Sunday where we talked about, you know, where God is, is calling us to go in the future. And he said, you know, I'm an introvert. And, and he's like, I hate speaking up at meetings like this. But I just have to say, I'm so grateful that God has called this church into existence, that, that God allows it to exist. And as a planting pastor, that's just one of those moments where you stand in awe of the grace of God that you get to witness this, that you get to witness his grace in action. Or there's Eric who who started attending with his fiance and they were out of town a a couple of weekends last month and and he came back and, and he gave me this big hug and he was like, I'm sorry we've been gone, but it just feels so good to be here. He said it feels like I'm coming home. And so God planted City of Lakes as as a community of exiles to be a home for the homeless. And that part of our identity is deeply connected to Jeremiah 29, 7. And I wanted to ignore it. I wanted to bury it with ellipses. But God would not let me do that. And that's how God works God takes the stuff that's right in front of our faces and he says, you know, you think you're supposed to focus on these other things, on the things that you want to focus on, but I am calling you to the stuff that is hiding in plain sight right in front of your face that you would rather ignore. And as always, when God speaks to us through scripture, it is the most difficult parts the most challenging parts, the most uncomfortable and embarrassing parts, that when we come face to face with them, they are the key to unlocking our understanding of the whole. And so I thought Minneapolis was my home. I thought I was moving back home. But I wasn't. 
My home is the church of Jesus Christ, and where I truly belong isn't a place but the presence of God. And God is present wherever his people gather in his name, around his word, and gather at his table. That's where my home is, and everywhere else I am a sojourner and an exile, and my calling, and the calling of my congregation is to exist as a church to show people, to show other exiles the way home. And the truth of the matter is that City of Lakes is not this really special church. There's nothing that awesome about us. But what's special is the particular ways that we get to see God's grace meeting the needs of the folks to whom he's called us. What's special about us is the peculiar ways that we see God moving in our midst. And so, brothers and sisters, we all live as exiles in this world. We belong in the city of God, but, but we inhabit the cities of humanity. That doesn't mean that we're just killing time until Christ returns and kingdom comes. That we are exiles means that we have work to do. We need to make our homes in what is essentially a foreign country because when we do that, God's peace, God's shalom, God's blessing, God's life-giving and life-changing power comes to more and more people who need it, more and more people who have never experienced it before. And when we make our home as exiles, we become a home for the homeless. We welcome people into the community of Jesus where they can experience, some of them for the first time, what it truly feels like to be home, to belong, to experience God's comfort and protection, and to have that deep and overwhelming and satisfying sense. At last, here is somewhere where I belong and where I am truly loved. And so that's why we plant churches so, so that we can build more and more homes in the name of Jesus to welcome more and more of his lost and wandering sheep home. Because that is what the church is about at its very best. And so the words of that old hymn are true. Come home, come home, all who are weary, come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, Come home. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have welcomed us to this place, that you have called each and every one of us by name. God, meet us here this morning and give us a vision to be your people, your people in exile, bringing your peace, your shalom, your blessing wherever we go. Lord God, we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.